Somebody ought to give him praise if you know that he did it before. He can do it again tonight. I wish somebody with a testimony would just reach back and remember everything he's ever done for you. I wish you would take about 30 seconds uh, and remember every prayer that he's answered uh, and every door that he's opened uh, and every miracle he's performed uh, and just begin to declare uh, if he did it before, uh, I declare tonight uh, that he can do it uh, all uh, again. I wish somebody would testify uh, that the same God that did it yesterday. I wish somebody that still remembers what God brought you from would give him the praise. I wish some grateful people in the building would remember the benefits of the Lord tonight. You might be able to just sit there and enjoy the service tonight. But for where God has brought me from, I've got to give him praise. God may have never brought you out of anything, but baby, he brought me out of a hell situation. He brought me out of a deep pit. And so tonight I've got to give him the praise. Woo! Go ahead, Brother Collins, give him the praise. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! tells us this it says in time past you were not a people but now you're the people of God and that you should show forth the praise of him that hath brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light we ought to take about 30 seconds on a Tuesday night and if you ain't got anything else to praise him for you ought to praise him for bringing you out of darkness you ought to praise him for giving you this Acts 238 truth. You ought to praise him for giving you a revelation of the oneness of God. Dance, 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 dance,
Vaca. on Tuesday, but if you push me just a little bit, I got a short fuse tonight. If you push me just a little bit, uh, I got a whole lot of reasons uh, to give him the glory in this. I don't know about you, but I couldn't wait to get here tonight. I said, I couldn't wait to get here tonight. One writer said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. He didn't wait to get happy when he, till he got here. Uh, just the mention of going to church got him excited. Do I got anybody still feels that way? Uh, I've been living for God a long time uh, and I still get excited uh, at just the thought of going to the house of the Lord. That's why them old timers used to sing songs like, Brother JJ might know this, you'll have to teach them in 20 seconds while you play it. I was glad when they said unto me. See, I don't even know that song. I was glad when they said unto me. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Y'all gonna sing it up. Well, I was glad when they said unto me. I was glad when they said unto Sing that again. Come on, help me. I was glad. Let us go unto the house. Then somebody would get real excited and start singing. I came running when they said unto me. I came running when they said unto me. Somebody 
would get anointed and start saying, Lord, I'm running, trying to make a hundred, ninety-nine and a half won't do. Lord, I'm running, trying to make a hundred, ninety-nine and a half. Take me up, come on. Trying to make a hundred, ninety-nine and a half won't do. Say, Lord, I'm running, trying to make a hundred, ninety-nine and a half won't do. Then they say like this, it just won't do. 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 Ready to have church like that tonight? Y'all ain't ready to have church like that tonight. Do 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 Somebody give him a praise in this place tonight. Woo! Glory! Glory! Hallelujah! Somebody needs to tell the devil tonight that I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way. My God, I feel that in the Holy Ghost. I didn't come this far to give up. I didn't come this far to get discouraged. I didn't come this far to throw in the towel. I'm going on. I'm going all the way. Woo! I'm going all the way. Tell your neighbor, ain't no stopping us now. Ain't no stopping it. No devil in hell can stop us. Sickness can't stop. I wish I had some Bible readers in the building tonight. Uh, not persecution. Uh, not famine. Uh, not nakedness. Uh, not peril. Uh, not sword. Uh, height. Uh, depth. Uh, no any other. Nothing. Uh, I said nothing uh, can stop us tonight. Hallelujah. Woo. devil going to have to kill me to get me to stop. Naked came I into this world and naked I'm going to leave. If I wake up in the morning and all I got is the breath in my body, baby, I still got victory in my spirit. Anybody else feel that way tonight? Clap your hands one more time and give them a praise. I feel victory in this building tonight. I feel victory in this building tonight. Woo. Somebody needs to keep on swinging. The devil's about to lose his grip. Somebody needs to press just a little bit further. Hey. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Anybody grateful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? My, 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 my. Y'all can be seated. You can hang out right there if you want to, but high five somebody on the way to your seat or where you're standing. Tell them we shown up having some church in here tonight. <laughs> For those of you who may not understand the colloquialism show enough, it is an abbreviated version of the phrase sure enough. <laughs> show enough. Show enough. Not to be confused with Sean is. <laughs> Ain't got enough time to say it sure is. Ain't got time for all three words. Who's making one word? Shaw is. Shaw is. Amen. I want to say what a pleasure it is to have all of our guests with us tonight. Would you help me one more time? Put your hands together. Come on, help me welcome our guests that are here with us on Tuesday night. Help me make some noise for everybody streaming online with us tonight. We're so excited that you're here with us tonight. And uh, I want to say what a privilege it is to look up. And I think he was here this weekend as well. It's so good to have Brother Isaac Collins with us tonight. Come on, would you help me show him some love back in the house of the Lord tonight? We love the Collins family and love this young man. Glad to see him tonight. It is so awesome to have my mama with us tonight, Sister Alice Garcia. Come on, would you help me make some noise for my mama tonight? We're so glad that she's here. To all the rest of our guests, we're, we're so grateful that you're here tonight. I want to say uh, I, was, I was not here Sunday. Uh, we, were, we were predisposed with some pretty important business. And I missed the opportunity, and I want to take it tonight, at least for those that are here. I want to say happy Father's Day to all of the incredible fathers of the Rock Church of Fort Myers. On behalf of First Lady, and I know it was Sunday, but I want to say it tonight. How much I love and appreciate all of the fathers in this church. Thank you for your strength, for your commitment, your faithfulness to the kingdom of God and to your families. And uh, we, we love and appreciate you so very, very much. And I want to say how much it meant to me to get all of the text messages and the, the cards and the gifts and uh, the incredible video that you all sent wishing me a happy, happy Father's Day. Uh, I, I want you to know how much it absolutely means to me. And uh, your words just breathed life into me on Sunday. And I want you to know how much I love you and I appreciate you. And, and what an honor of a lifetime that it is to lead the most incredible people on the planet called the Rock Church. Amen. I love you very, very much. Amen. And, and uh, my family wants to thank you for your prayers over this whole weekend uh, as we excitedly waited in anticipation for the arrival of Nova Grace Williams. <laughs> she made her grand entrance into this world last night at about 5.13 p.m. Amen. 
Oh, my, my, my. We are absolutely smitten. And uh, thank you for, for allowing my family the grace and the space uh, to attend to such an important occasion in our family's life. And uh, we, we, it means so very much to us. Again, all of your thoughts and prayers. And uh, Nova is doing absolutely perfect. Mama is doing incredible. And uh, we can't wait for you to be able to meet her. Amen. And we appreciate that. How many of you have been absolutely blessed by the ministry of evangelist Xavier White the past several weeks? Come on. I want you to stand with me all over this house as we prepare for the entrance of God's word into this place. Uh, although we were not here on Sunday, we were, we were tuned in online live with you all from the hospital room. Nova and everybody. And uh, we were tuned in having church. The nurses kept coming in and woo, they was feeling that shuckamoshai in the hospital room. And, and uh, we just had some church. And, and I want to say thank you, Brother White, for delivering such a powerful word from God on Sunday. If you were not here, I, I'm asking you as your bishop tonight to please, in the next day or so, get home, uh, log in, and, uh, and listen uh, to the word of the Lord from Sunday. What a powerful, powerful word to God's people. And uh, I'm very thankful that God has brought Brother White along for this season of revival and he's been such a blessing brother white we're excited about what god is doing tonight we want you to come and obey the holy ghost we're ready for what god has would you help me put your hands together one more time and give god a praise as he comes well come on let's lift it to jesus we love you god we thank you jesus for yet another day to be in your presence come on let's lift the king of kings the lord of lords the author and the finisher of our faith. God, we give you honor and glory tonight, God. I'll, uh, I'll say to you all, it's, uh, as I've said many times, you know, it's an honor to be with you all. And uh, it is nerve-wracking. And I mean this, it is truly nerve-wracking to have Bishop Williams preach the house down like he does and then I got to try to come and preach after him. I told Brother Sloss, I said, I got to try to put something together. He's just such a phenomenal preacher and I'm just so thankful. Well, I'll be honest with you, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm much of anything, but I'm, I'm thankful to be able to rub shoulders with men of God like Bishop Williams it's been an honor. I true, truly mean that, an honor. But I won't belabor the point. I'm aware of the time. I'm going to turn your attention to Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, church. I really feel a burden tonight. And I pray that God helps me to give you what I feel. While you turn, I, I want to give honor to my pastor, Pastor Nathan Holmes. I love him so very much and thankful for his voice. And uh, I just believe God's doing something in this hour. The church is going up. I know that was a vacation Bible school 
plug, but that's the truth. The church is going up. The world's going to burn up and, and shrivel up, but the church is going up. Hey, you better make sure tonight if you're not part of the church, you better get a part of the church and stay a part of the church. Because some morning when God calls us home, I want to be in the meeting, don't you? Woo. Sometimes I get to thinking about heaven. I, this ain't in my notes, so you have to excuse me. But sometimes I get to thinking about heaven. And don't you ever get to recall to your mind all the beautiful saints that have gone on to be with the Lord, the, the elders that paved the way for us. And, and there used to be an old song that said, I wonder what they're doing in heaven today. All sin and sorrow all gone away. I wonder what heaven sounds like and feels like right this moment. I believe there's a little bit of heaven touching down right here in Fort Myers, Florida right now. God, I love you, Jesus. Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Send him to my father's house. He said, if, if I can't be saved at this point, would you send him to my father's house? For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, father, Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. For just a moment, I want to preach to you from this simple thought. It's bigger than me. I feel like that's a word for somebody in this house. It's bigger than you. The kingdom of God is bigger than you. It's bigger than what we're doing right now. The kingdom of God has to go forward. Come on, lift your voice and pray with me. God, we love you tonight, Lord. 
Lord, I'm asking you, God, let our hearts be open. Let our minds be acceptable of your word, Lord. Lord, hide me behind the cross. Anoint these lips of clay, God, that I might do your will, Lord. And we owe you yes and amen. Come on, somebody shout in Jesus' name. Oh, come on, you know how I am. Shout in Jesus' name. Come on, let the devil hear you shout in Jesus' name. Shake the rafters, shout in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shake the gates of hell with me. Shout in Jesus' name. Devil, we're coming for our children. Devil, we're coming for our lost loved ones. Devil, we're coming for our neighbors. Shout in Jesus' name. Tonight, I have the difficult task of preaching to you a message that I'm not comfortable preaching. I have to preach to you what I feel the Holy Ghost has given to me for this hour. I just recently saw something that shook my world just a little bit, and it was a picture, and there was two men in an office. They were laughing and making jokes with each other. And in this picture, in the background, it looked like a world, our world, but not like how we see it. The world was completely engulfed in flames. Not only was it engulfed in flames, but there were people falling from the sky into this world that was engulfed in flames. But the two men that were the center point of the photo were laughing and having a good time. And I realized that that's not the case for all Christians, but in reality, that is what's happening in our world. We are so okay with people slipping through the cracks and going to a devil's hell. And the whole time we are able to enjoy salvation. We're able to come into a house and shout and dance and enjoy the freedom that we feel from the Holy Ghost. But God is calling his people to look on the harvest and see that it's ready. Not only is the harvest ready, but if we're not careful, we will see people slip through the cracks and God the whole time was begging us to go and tell them this Acts 2.38 message. In the scripture I specifically brought your attention to today, before I get into all the semantics, I want you to understand that the place that we are glimpsing into in this scripture is a place called Sheol. If you don't know what Sheol is, it's simply the Old Testament called it the grave. It was the place where souls went because we could not go to heaven because we were tainted with sin. And there was no way for sin to be removed, to be remitted, or to be completely forgiven. That's why the Old Testament never says that sin was remitted. It wasn't until Acts 2.38 that God tells us that sin can be remitted, but you've got to be buried in Jesus' name. And I'm going to get there at some point, but at the offset of my message, I want somebody to know that sitting in this building, you cannot make heaven your home until you're buried in Jesus' name. Not the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Bible says there ain't but one Lord. 
There ain't but one faith and there's one baptism and that's in Jesus' name. And so, Sheol was separation from God. It didn't matter whether you were a saint or a sinner. In this scripture, we see that there is a gulf fixed between those that are tormented and those that are comforted. So we know because of this that saints of the Old Testament were able to not be tormented in Sheol, but they were comforted in Sheol. But still, there was eternal separation from God. We see in Psalms where David says, God, you won't forget my soul in hell. He wasn't meaning torment as we would think of hell, but he was saying, God, I know that because of the sin nature of man that when I die, my soul cannot go to heaven because no man has seen God and lived. But because of the sin nature within me, I have to go to Sheol. But see, we know that Jesus made a way out of no way. We know that Jesus saw the situation. Now, when I say Jesus, I'm talking about Old Testament and New Testament because one thing we've got to get over in Pentecost is this fear of calling God of the Old Testament Jesus because my Bible tells me that the Old Testament God put on flesh and gave himself a name. And so it's Jesus in the Old Testament and it's Jesus in the New Testament. It was Jesus at the garden and it's Jesus walking among us today. And so Jesus is, is in his heavenly dwellings. He, he, he has everything that we as a human can see that is necessary for a God. He has angels that cry holy every day. He, he has a few good servants on the earth that are willing to serve him and sacrifice and live for him. But, but even in that state, Jesus had such an issue because after death, that was it. After death, they went to this place that he could not go to. He, he, he could not hear from. He, he could not hear into. He, he just had to allow their souls to go almost like a holding because God knew that he was going to have to do something. Otherwise, people would stay there. That's why you see where the Old Testament saints would say, well, if I make my bed in hell, we know that you're not going to just be sleeping in hell. We know you're not going to be cozy in hell. But when you read those scriptures, it's because they had a different understanding of hell. It was a place of, it was Sheol, but across the gulf, they would have been comforted. But Jesus said, I'm, I'm not content with that. I'm not content with that. I, I need there to be a way that after you have done all you can to stand, I want you to be able to come to the heavenlies and out of your free will and own volition, you can be up here and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is the only wise God. He is the only Savior. He is the creator. He is the one that made everything that we see on this earth. He alone is worthy. Holy, holy, holy. And, and so he makes a way out of no way. He does something that confuses the angels. 
Bible says that the angels look on this salvation thing and, and they're mesmerized by it. That a God who had everything he needed would choose to step from his throne, to walk among us, to be tempted in all manner of sin as we were, to, to do the things that he did because we were his most prized possession. And then God informs us of something. He says, I'm doing this and my blood's going to cover and you're going to be free from the guilty stain of sin. But one thing I need you to do, one thing that you've got to understand, church, is that once you have accepted the blood, you cannot just be content with yourself going to heaven. Let me tell you, we sing about it all the time. There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond where the saints of old shall soon his glory share. But let me tell you something. We, not just the saints of old. God's calling a bunch of people to get into a city that is riddled with sin, that's riddled with witchcraft, that's riddled with torment from the devil. And he said, if you've been set free, why wouldn't you tell other people so that they can be set free? And so we see in Luke, in Luke chapter 16, we see a man by the name of Lazarus and another man who does not have a name, but he goes by description, the rich man. And one thing that baffles my mind about this is in, in, in their life, I'm sure that Lazarus was always called that little beggar man. They didn't ever call him by his name. They didn't care what his name was. And I'm sure the rich man was always addressed as Mr. or Sir or whatever his name was. But the Bible lets us know that in this specific time, he now is irrelevant because your money is not going to make you get into heaven. I'm sorry what you may have learned in another religion, but your money ain't going to put you in heaven. I don't care if you're the biggest tithe payer in all of Fort Myers. That ain't going to put you in heaven if you're not doing the things that God has required of his people to do. But as I was reading this today, I got a little aggravated because I thought to myself, God, it, it just doesn't seem fair because he didn't have anybody to preach to him. But this is what God struck in my spirit. He said, actually, he did have somebody. The Bible says that he had Moses and the prophets. And that throughout all of his life, Moses and the prophets was a witness to what God could do for him. I'm sure mama walked in there every day and told him about what happened in the days of old. I'm sure daddy told him about how he knew how to be saved. And I'm sure he told him about his great, 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 great granddaddy putting the blood over the doorpost. But somewhere along the way, it did not stick in his life. And when he got to his last breath, God said, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Because he had a preacher. He had a beacon. He had a place he could have went to. But this is what, this is what he says. He says, okay, I understand that I can't, I can't be saved. 
I'm stuck here for eternity. He said, but since I can't be saved, could you please, God, God, could you please do me one request? Could you send Lazarus to my father's house? Because I got brothers that ain't saved, and, and I got sisters that ain't saved, and and my daddy, he's kind of on the line a little bit. And, and, and my mama, she can't understand why I died before she did. And, but, but could you please, because there's a lot of hurt going on in my daddy's house. And, and there's a lot of situations going on that you can't see. And, and, and they're co contemplating suicide. And they, they got depression going on. And they got all these different things. Could you send a preacher to go to my father's house? And you want to know what is happening right now? I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that there are people who have slipped into eternity. And they're not crying out for God to save them at this point because they know that they're stuck. But they are screaming the names of saints in this congregation to please go back and tell my father's house. They're begging somebody, Brother White, will you please Go back to the cashier at Walmart. You don't know what she's going through, but that's my grandbaby, and, and I don't want her to come here. Could you please tell her? See, what we've got to realize in Pentecost is that this kingdom business is so much bigger than just what we're doing. I, I mean, I love camp meeting, but it's bigger than camp meeting. I love peak, but it's bigger than peak. I love all those conferences. I go to most of them. But when I tell you that this kingdom business is so much bigger than just what we're doing. Because I'm going to tell you, we pass people every day. I, I really feel this strong. I hope that I'm, I'm, I'm relaying to you the burden that I feel from God. Because I pass people. I, I don't know about the rest of you, but every now and again, I don't have one in this suit. But I keep church cards. Because when I pass somebody and I feel that unctioning of the Holy Ghost, I have absolutely no idea what they could be going through. But one thing I do know, such were some of you, such were some of us, because I remember where I was when God found me. And if it had not been for a preacher that reached down to me and said, hey, I don't know what's going on, but let me help you come up a little higher. I don't know what you're struggling with, but, but let me help you come on up a little higher. Hey, you need to be buried in Jesus' name. You need to let the old man pass away. That's the only way. And we come in the sanctuaries. We come in the sanctuaries. And we're cooled. We, 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 we love it. The padded pews. My God, I came in here to pray several times. I sat on those pews, and, and, and because of just losing track of time, I found myself waking up. I know we laugh. It's funny. I promise it's funny. Imagine you walk up in here and you see Brother White on one of the pews snoring. I'm supposed to be praying. I'm thankful for, for padded pews. I'm thankful for air-conditioned buildings. I'm thankful for buildings we didn't build. I'm thankful for vineyards we didn't plant. I'm thankful for wells we didn't dig. But at the end of the day, God's calling his people. Are you, gonna, are you just going to keep dipping from the well? Or will you invite other people to come dip from the well? Because one thing about it, one thing about it, the Bible says the laborers are so few. 
He said, everybody wants to sit at my table. Everybody wants to, to eat of the fruits of the Spirit. Everybody wants to prophesy. Everybody wants to, to discern. And everybody wants to do all those things. But nobody wants to go back into the field. Because here's the thing. When you go out into the field, now all of a sudden you have to share. See, because we're sitting at the table and we're getting so full and it's almost like gluttonous. We just keep eating, keep eating because there ain't nobody else that's hungry. But now God's saying, hey, you got to go get hungry people. There are people out there that are starving spiritually and they're desperate for an answer. And God's saying, will the church rise up in this hour and tell them, hey, I know a God that can deliver you. I know a God that's able. He has heard your cry today and he will can deliver you. He can set you free. He can, he can give sight to blinded eyes. He can raise up limp people. He can do it. I promise you, I've seen him do it. But will you come to the house? And this scripture, it almost, it almost screams out to me. Because all I can imagine, now we all understand, we all have our own ideology of what hell looks like, I'm sure. We all have our own thought process on it. I don't know why, but when I get to thinking about hell, I just imagine people engulfed in flames. Now, I understand that the Bible says they'll be cast to the lake of fire, but I just imagine this. And when I see it, and I get to thinking to myself that there are people down there, I've walked past. You've walked past. We've all walked past somebody. And we're so comfortable in our own salvation. We are so comfortable with, with however many are here on Sundays. And I'm not saying this is a beautiful church. This is, uh, I mean, it's a pretty big church for, especially for Florida. Apostolic, consecrated, separated. This is a, a big church. I'm not, I'm not belittling that at all. But what I am saying is if we could just see the bigger picture of what God desires to do. And so the scripture, he tells us, he tells us that he says, can you go to my father's house because I got brothers and they've got wives and I got nieces and nephews and I, I, I got cousins and I got uncles. I, I, I got a lot of folks that I just believe if, if he would go back and tell them that, that they would hear him and they'd get saved. And this is what he said. He said, no. He said, he's not going back from beyond the grave. He said, but what I will tell you is that they've got preachers in that city. There's a church on Tarpon Street that they can make their way to. That, that, that they'll offer them salvation. That there's a preacher there that has a burden for that city. And if they just find their way to that church, if they find their way to a city of refuge, they will find the answer that'll keep them from coming to this place. And I could just hear it. I could just hear it. He's saying, somebody please, somebody please, somebody please, will you please go back? Go back to the Walmart. Go back to the taco stand. Go back to where you came from and tell my family. It's bigger than me. First time I ever realized how big the kingdom of God truly was, 
I was at a youth conference. I don't even remember the city. I think it was in Kentucky. And I walked into the arena, and there was just thousands and thousands of young people. And I remember I was looking at that conference, and I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is insane. I never in my wildest dreams could imagine this many people are gathering to worship God. And I, I remember that many years I would go to that conference and I would be mesmerized by it. And then one year, preacher got up and he said, listen, he said, I know this is big. He said, but there's just so much more room. He said, this is big, but it's not big enough. He said, God desires for his church to be exponentially big. Hey, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that so we can have more money or whatever. The case. No, no, no. God desires for his church to be packed out because you want to know what that means? When you cross over to the other side, you'll see a bunch of folks that you were able to reach and save them from a pit and save them from a devil's hell. And God said, church, will you rise up in this hour? There are hungry people all in the world. There are hungry people in Fort Myers, Florida. What will you do with this opportunity? And we have revivals with preachers. And I love revivals. I'm not trying to talk myself out of a job. But we have revivals. And people don't get the Holy Ghost. And people don't get baptized. And I know that there's different seasons for different churches. Sometimes, it, sometimes you're not going to have a bunch of people just getting filled with the Holy Ghost and all this stuff. But I'm going to tell you this. You're never going to convince me that it's not the will of God for people to get the Holy Ghost and be baptized in Jesus' name. I don't care what season you're in. If people come into the house hungry, God will meet the need. God will fill with the Holy Ghost. God will deliver them from drug addiction. God will set their families free. God will raise up their kids to be people of God. God will do it. Why? Because it's his will. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting. And see, we love heaven. We love to talk about heaven. I love, I can't wait to go to heaven. I truly can't. Because these bills are about to get the best of me. Well, come on, somebody. Come on, don't act, don't act bashful. Some of us struggling to pay bills tonight. You, you didn't know why you put that money in the offering, but you don't know God's going to give it back to you. Well, I wish more people had amen. You, there's some folks fighting money situations right now. In the name of Jesus, God bless their finances. God, give them abundance. Give them overflowing right now in Jesus' name. And, and, and let me tell you this story. I, for whatever reason, God won't let me move on past this money thing. It don't matter if we do need more money. You ought to be willing to help. That, that's our reasonable service. Do you want to keep the lights on? Do you want to keep the fans running? Do you want to get air conditioner in here? You, we need money. Well, they, they didn't like that, Bishop. I, <laughs> I never forget. I'm going to tell you the truth. I was a Bible college student. I was broke as a joke. My money was funny. My change was strange. And I'll never forget, I, I, I kept having car issues. And I heard a preacher say one time, he said, brother, 
He said, if you have car issues, he said, it's not because you're not paying tithes. He said, it's just because you're just having car issues. I said, brother, I disagree with that heavily. He said, why do you say that? I said, because every time I wasn't paying tithes, I had a car issue. And now I pay tithes faithfully, and I still had a wreck. But you know what? God made a way for me to be able to get it fixed. Hello, somebody. What I'm saying is you can't afford to not pay tithes and offering. Because if you don't pay tithes and offering, God's going to get his money one way or another. And I promise you, you don't want God to come collecting bills. Because he's going to collect bills. He ain't going to want your 20s. He's going to want your Benjamins. Help us, God. This rich man, this rich man, he, he had all the blessings. He, he, he had all the, the abundance of life. Let me tell you something, church. I, I just feel in the Holy Ghost that at the rate that we're going, God is desiring to do so much more in our churches. God is desiring to fill them up. I'm telling you, I'm not just telling you that because it sounds good. I'm telling you the truth. There are hurting people next door to you. There are hurting people that work beside you. There are hurting people that you see every single day. And all they're wondering is when is God going to give me relief? When's God going to give me rest for this situation? And the one that has the answer is sitting there not telling them anything, not giving them a way of escape. And God's saying to the church, their blood's going to be on your hands the book of Ezekiel tells us God tells the prophet he says hey I need you to go and I need you to tell Israel something he said because they transgressed against me I'm done with them and, I, and I'm going to give them one chance he said but I need you to tell them and Ezekiel begins to wonder why is God choosing to tell him if he's going to get rid of them and this is what God responds to Ezekiel he says if you knew that there was something coming down the road. And you didn't tell somebody, you didn't warn them. You just, you just let them keep on coasting. He said, would you not be at fault? He said, their blood's gonna be required of you. You realize that this message that we carry, it's bigger than just walking in holiness, and I love it. I'm not saying not to. It's bigger than just coming to church and shouting. But God is literally speaking to his people how much blood is going to be on our hands because we have chose to keep our mouths shut when people are so desperately looking for him. I mean, do you really believe that this Acts 238 message is the truth? Well, I'm glad 15 of y'all believe that Acts 238 is the only way to be saved. To the rest of you, hey, I'm going to tell you, Acts 2.38 is the only way to be saved. He said you can't come into the kingdom any other way. He said I've given you a name that's above every name, and it's the name of Jesus. He said unless you go down in the name, you just went down a dry center and came up a wet center. But when you call the name... Because I'm going to tell you, I'm alive and well. Well, I, I'm alive and well, thank God. Every day, my aunt, my aunt literally lives across the street from a Pentecostal church. It's called the Houston Pentecostal, First Pentecostal Church. When I say across the street, she can literally walk right into the church parking lot. Matter of fact, I preached at that church one time, 
and she saw me before I could even see her. I pray every single day, God, give somebody in that church a burden for my aunt. Because when you go around the corner, I have another aunt that lives not even a mile away from the church. Then when you go on down five miles, you see my granny's trailer where my uncle now lives. You keep on going. This Houston, Mississippi is a small, small little city. You keep on going down the road and you'll see my great granny's house. And the whole time there was this Pentecostal church that was right there in the middle of my family's little cul-de-sac. And you believe that my daddy died and he didn't know truth. I didn't know how to reach him. I was doing the best I could. Then after that, my, my granddaddy died in a car accident. Nobody reached him. Matter of fact, that same car accident, my uncle died. and Nobody reached him. Just this past year, my grandmother, my grandmother passed away. Matter of fact, the last text message I sent to my grandmother, it was all the scriptures that proved Jesus' name baptism. She actually texted me and said, Zabie, could you send me those scriptures? I sent them to her. I'm not saying that church didn't have a burden. What I am saying is that I've been directly affected and I'm still walking and talking. And every day when I lay on my face and cry out to God, I say, God, please send somebody to knock on Jackie's door. God, please send somebody to knock on Brittany's door. God, please send somebody to knock on my uncle's door. Why? Because I got cousins on the other side of those doors that don't know God. I got a little sister that's only eight years old, and she's being raised up in a denomination where she can't feel the presence of God. I, I got family. That I, hey, listen, I'm too invested in this. I, I believe this message. I know it's the only way to heaven, but I cannot refute the fact that we are slacking and reaching people. Let me tell you something. Some of you have sat on me this whole message and you've got family members that are dying and going to hell. And are you concerned at all? Listen, I'm concerned about things like that. Because every day I got sisters, I got a brother, I got kinfolk that they ain't known God yet. But you better believe that I'm reaching for them every chance I get. But how much easier would it be if there was a church in their city that had a burden for them? I remember I remember the church that had a little burden for me I wish I could I wish I could show you that bus that picked me up I wish I could show you you know they vacation Bible school is coming up it wasn't vacation Bible school but you know what they told me they said hey you want to go to church it was a Sunday night I said no not really they said well we got hot Boy, they got me on that bus, didn't they? If they was trying to kidnap me, they was, would have been successful off of hot dogs. But let me tell you something. It's more than just the hot dogs. Because what, what that pastor didn't know when he pulled over that bus, 
big old school bus. What he didn't know is that little boy he was talking to was so fed up with the fighting in the house. That little boy he was talking to had no self-esteem, had, had, didn't really consider himself much of anything. That little boy didn't know what God had in store for him. But that preacher didn't care about all of the things that made Xavier White, Xavier White. What he did care about, though, was that I was a soul that was on my way to hell. And if he did not stop and offer the invitation, I would have never been able to stand before you today as a child of the king. Let me tell you something. God is calling the church to a more aggressive outreach. Hey, listen, I know we do out, y'all do outreach around here so much, and it's beautiful. I'm not trying to say that this church don't do it. Please don't misunderstand me. I, I firmly believe it. The amount of people that have been baptized since, we, since I've been here, the amount of people that have been filled with the Holy Ghost, it, it's incredible. But one thing, I'm trying to get somebody to get on board with this burden that I feel because I just feel like God is saying, I, I want to do so much more. I want to do so much more in Fort Myers. I, I, I want to do so much more at the Rock Church. I, 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 want, I want them to see it. I, they got to see it first. You, you got to see the vision. You, you got to see that the kingdom, you got to seek the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom. Let me tell you, when you seek the kingdom, the Bible says everything else will be added. Why? Because you'll have such a burden for the things of God. You're not going to care about the rest of the world. You just say, God, take me where you're leading me. Show me who needs you. God, I'll do whatever needs to be done. I'll go knock doors one more time. I'll make phone calls one more time. God, just show me. Seek ye the kingdom. And the thing about Lazarus, the thing that troubles me the most about Lazarus, he knew the statutes of God. He knew the things he should have been doing. The Bible says he just chose not to do it. See, I know there's going to be people, you're going to leave this room tonight, and you're going to say, that was a pretty message. You're going to go sit at a restaurant tonight. You're going to have a server who is struggling with addiction. You, you might have a server whose family's falling apart. You might have a server who's about to lose her kids. And you're going to eat. You and your family are going to laugh. You're going to leave a tip. And then you're going to leave. And I just believe that God is speaking to this church. You need to look on the harvest. Because I promise you, that mom, that dad, whoever it is, he, he's been wondering when is, the, when is all this going to end? When, when is all the pain and suffering going to end? When, when is somebody going to open up their arms and open up their lives to me and my family and tell me this good news that they claim is life-saving, life-changing? When is somebody going to tell me what is the answer for my addiction? When is somebody going to tell me the answer for my children that are in public schools, that are being taunted by friends to, to do things they don't want to do? 
When is someone going to tell me about this kingdom that I've heard so much about? When is somebody going to not just be so concerned with their own lives but realize that the kingdom of God is so much bigger than just ourselves? When is somebody going to rise to the occasion and let God use you as a mouthpiece to reach this world? When is somebody going to say, God, no matter what I have to go through, no matter who I got to talk to, I will do what thus saith the Lord. When is somebody going to let God use you? Because I'm going to tell you, and I know I've said it once before, the son said it. The Bible lets us know that night's coming. You got to work while it's day. Because when night comes, can't no man work. And God's saying to his church, it's that hour. The sun is getting ready to set. This period is getting ready to end. The day is coming to an end. And you're in the final hours. We're getting ready to get out of here, church. I believe the rapture of God is on its way. Maybe you don't believe it. You ain't got to clap. I don't care at this point. You don't believe that God's getting ready to come. But the Bible says he's getting ready to come. All signs point to the second coming of the Son of Man. He cut out of That God's saying, when will a church rise up? Because we're going to say, we say we, we're going to love his appearing. But when you haven't done anything, when you haven't won anyone, when the trumpet sounds and you realize, my sister's still backslidden. When the trumpet sounds and you realize, my mama still ain't in church. When the trumpet sounds and you realize, my neighbors are still going to hell and, and they're beautiful children. When, when the trumpet sounds and you realize, that coworker that was so kind to me and, and bought me lunch so many times and, and, and I, ne I never once told him about the Acts 238 message. I, I never told him about Jesus. They, they're, they're lost. When the trumpet sounds, you, we, we can sit here and say all day long that we're going to love his appearing, but I feel like there's going to be some guilt that rides over the souls of a bunch of saints because we have failed God in doing the mission. He said, go, go. He said, hey, I'm glad you got the Holy Ghost. But now you got to go tell somebody. I'm glad you've been baptized. But now you got to go. He said, don't just stay where you are. Go. Go tell somebody. Go. Go read somebody. Go. Teach a Bible study. Go. Stay with me all over this place. As musicians come, I'm going to tell you this last story. This is a true story. This actually happened. When I was, before I started evangelizing full time, my pastor, Pastor Holmes, he, I was a little discouraged about things going on. And I remember I, uh, I was kind of aggravated. It wasn't happening the way I felt like it should have been happening as far as preaching out is concerned. My pastor told me, he said, Brother White, he said, I just need you to get busy in the field. Get your hands dirty in the field. He said, I, I need you to teach Bible studies. He said, I, I need you to go on outreach. He said, don't miss a single week. 
He said, just get busy in the field. He said, because if you don't have a burden in North Little Rock, you won't have a burden nowhere else. And I remember he told me that, and that wasn't the answer I was looking for, obviously. And I remember I said, God, if that's what you told my pastor, that's what I'm going to do. And after that service, that was a Sunday, Monday I, I went to work, and I said, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to be bold. What's stopping me? 50% chance they say yes, 50% chance they say no. It's pretty good odds. So I went to my phone and I made a little list and I said, at the top it said Bible studies. And I went around to not only my coworkers, but I was a server at a restaurant, so some of my tables, we got to talking about God and I would ask him, I said, hey, would you be interested in a Bible study? And one day, and one Monday, I had 12 families tell me that they were interested in a Bible study. Matter of fact, there was one of my coworkers, she said to me, she said, Xavier, she said, I was, I was literally sitting in my room this morning. She said, and everything that's going wrong in my life just kind of fell on me at one time. She said, I just started to weep. And she said, and I said, God, would you please give me an answer for what's happening in my life right now? She said, Xavier, I just want you to know that when you asked me if I was interested in a Bible study, she said, I felt like that was the answer from God. And she said, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. And I understand some of you, you're going to hear this message. It's going to roll off your back. You're going to walk out of this sanctuary and you're not going to care, and that's okay. But if I just had four people that just got a burden today. Not, not just for your own family, but if you just got a burden for the city, if you could just hear the cries of the people in this city that are begging a preacher to come knock the door, that are begging somebody to come tell them a way out of what they're in right now. There, there, there's people all in this city that are saying, God, just like Cornelius, God, would you send me a preacher? I, I've done all I can do in this dead religion. I've done all I can do in the spiritualism of the world. I've done all I can do. God, will you send a preacher? And God's saying, he's, they're not waiting on Brother White to knock on the door. They're not waiting on Bishop Williams to knock the door. They're waiting on you. They're waiting on you. He said, do the work of the evangelist. Go tell people. It convinced them of the urgency of right now, the hour. Come on, somebody, help me pray right now. God's trying to speak to somebody. God's trying to wake you up right now.
vessel, the instrument you choose. I want to empty of myself, available to you. Let me be a willing vessel, be a willing vessel. Let me be a willing vessel, you can use. Oh, I want to be a willing vessel, vessel you can use. I want to be a willing vessel, the instrument.
Come on, somebody, let's get in the Holy Ghost for a few minutes tonight. Ooh. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. You gave me my hands to reach out to man to show him your love and your perfect plan. You gave me I can hear your voice so clear I can hear the cries of sinners but can I wipe away their tears you gave me my voice to speak your word to sing all your praises to those who never heard but with my eyes I see a need for more availability I've seen hearts that have been broken so many people to be free Lord, I'm available to you. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say. Do use me, Lord, to show someone the way and in I'll say my storage is empty and I am available to you. Somebody lift your hands all over this place. Now I'm giving back to you all the tools you gave to me. My hands, my ears, my voice, my eyes. You can use them as you please. I have emptied out my cup so that you can fill me up. Now I'm free. I just want to be more available to you. Somebody lift your hands, help me pray it like this. Lord, I'm available to you. My will I give to you. 
I'll do what you say to use me, Lord, to show someone the way and enable me to say, I'll say my story is empty and I to you come on all over this place lift your voice tonight Lord I'm available to you oh my will I give to you I'll do what you say to use me Lord to show Would you stand to your feet all over this house with your hands lifted tonight? Come on, would you sing this to him? Lord, I'm available to you. You, my will I give to you. Come on, tell him. I'll do what you say to use me, Lord, to show someone the way. Him tonight come on one more time lift your hands and pray him now I'm giving back to you all the tools you gave to me my hands my ears my voice my eyes you can use them as you please I have emptied out my cup so that you can feel it up now i'm free i just want to be more available to you I wish somebody would cry that out tonight in this place. Come on. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say to. Here's what I want us to do tonight. Here's what I want us to do tonight all over this house. It's not even 9.30 yet. I want you to step out from where you're sitting tonight. And I want you to make a motion to this altar that lets God know tonight. God, I'm responding to your voice calling me. God, I'm answering your call that it's bigger than me tonight, God. Lord, I'm responding tonight to acknowledge, oh God, that there's some things I need to reprioritize in my life, that there's some changes I need to make, God, so that I can do things that really matter in eternity. Come on, get as close as you can to the altar tonight. 
I don't want you to worry about the clock. Don't worry about who's standing next to you tonight. Uh, but I want you to think right now. I want you to lock, lock in with God right now at this very moment. Uh, and I want us to lift our hands all over this place uh, and say, all right, God, uh, here I am. Use me tonight. Uh, here I am, God. Use me tonight. Uh, come on, come on. Would you begin to lift up your voice? Nobody can pray for you but you. Come on, nobody can consecrate for you in your place. You've got to lift your voice. You've got to use your words. Come on, he's waiting to hear from you right now. He's waiting to hear from you right now. Come on, in Jesus' name. God, I've got to do something. God, I've got to make a difference. God, I've got to do something. Come on. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Woo, come on. Come on, that's it, that's it. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Woo, hallelujah, God. Come on, that's it. Talk to him tonight. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say to use me, Lord, to show someone the way and enable me to pray. I'll say my story. Come on now. 